Welcome to the Looper Podcast, the show where we make the rounds with interesting golf personalities. Here's your host, Eric Payton. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Thank you for downloading this episode. Our guest today is the head men's golf coach for the defending national champion, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Not only that, but they're currently ranked number one in the nation and should have a good chance of repeating in May. Coach Alan Bratton has been an important part of that legendary program in Stillwater over the years. He's been a player, associate coach for the men and women, and head coach for both the men and women, and he's had success in every role. We talk about his national titles, standout players, approach to coaching, and more. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Alan Bratton. I'm the golf coach at Oklahoma State University. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, So just to get started, um, what originally brought you to Oklahoma State? Well, I I played college golf at Oklahoma State. I grew up in College Station, Texas. My whole family went to Texas A&M, but uh, I had started playing golf and got pretty good, and I wanted to go play for the best. So fortunately, I got recruited to Oklahoma State, and uh, that's the best decision I ever made. Yeah, yeah. So you grew up in Aggie, and uh, did you get a little flack for going to the other side? No, not really. My parents understood that what my goals were uh, with my golf and whatnot, and uh, Texas A&M really couldn't provide that to me. I love the school. If I were just going to go to school, um, I most likely would have ended up there. But uh, came up to Oklahoma State and had a nice amateur career and um, got to play professional golf for a while, and, and um, that's led me to meet my wife. I've got a beautiful family because of that, and, and – uh, ended up falling into the job here as the golf coach. Yeah, excellent. Um, So how did you kind of make that transition from uh, player at Oklahoma State, then professional golf, but then move into uh, coaching? Well, I I really thought I would play forever. I I had a nice career as an amateur, uh, played professionally for six years, and then I didn't really like the way that was going. I had lost my card on the PGA Tour and uh, lost my card on the web, and and, uh, we were getting ready to start a family. So uh, I had a great experience as a collegiate athlete. Coaching was uh, the, the coach that I played for, Mike Holder, uh, was very inspiring. And, and uh, I thought that was something, if playing didn't work out, that being a college coach might be something that I would enjoy and uh, to hopefully provide that same kind of experience to other kids. So it uh, turned out I applied for the job at Texas A&M because their coach, their coach was retiring, and I didn't get it. But kind of in that process, I w- you know, I was, I guess, known a little bit that I was going to get into the uh, workforce, and I got offered a job at, at Ping in their tour. To- so I'd had a good relationship with the Solheim family through my whole amateur career, and, and uh, Cricket Mush was running the tour department there, and he hired me to, to go there, which was a blessing. I learned a lot about equipment. I got to observe all the professional tours and, and amateur golf and college golf from a different perspective, uh, which was a great education. I did that for three years, and then Mike Holder hired me to come back to Oklahoma State and be his assistant. So is my understanding is, is there still a relationship between Oklahoma State and Ping? For sure. Uh, the golf course that we own is called Karsten Creek. 
that's for a reason. The course is named after Karsten Solheim, who founded Ping. Um, so they, they've been very generous. That's been a very beneficial partnership, really, for both sides. It's been good for Ping, and it's been wonderful for Oklahoma State. So we certainly have a close relationship uh, with with the company, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when you came into coaching, my understanding is that you uh, kind of went back and forth between um, the men's program and the women's program. Is that correct? When I first came back, I was assistant for the men and then for a stretch of time, assistant for the men and the women. Then I actually was the head coach for our women's team for two years. And then this is my sixth season as the men's head coach. So yeah, I've done a little bit of everything. I've been in every capacity in the golf programs that you can be at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is your approach to recruiting? Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, buzz around, you know, basketball and football recruiting and, and what people are looking at, but what are you looking at in a potential recruit in high school? Well, you're trying to predict the future. Recruiting is very difficult. Um, I'm looking for the best, first of all, player that you can find, obviously. And then secondly, and part of that is finding the right fit in a particular kind of player. I can't tell you exactly what that player is, but um, I just lean on my experience of the types of people that have worked out here before. Highly competitive, self-driven. I like athletes. Um, And and you're trying to find someone that you think is going to grow and improve while they're here. And we've done it better than most at that. Yeah, so you're really looking for someone who's um, almost mentally tough and uh, physically gifted rather than their scores, correct? Yes, I mean, obviously scores is a part of it, but that only tells you what they are right now. I'm trying to predict what they can be in the future. So uh, when we started recruiting Jordan Niebrugge, he was nowhere near the top-ranked kid in the country. By the time he got here, he was. and By the time he left here, he had a chance to win the British Open. Um, Vic, Victor Hovland, when I started to recruit him, he was not the top player or one of the top players in Europe. He was certainly one of the top players in Norway, but not in all of Europe. But by the time he arrived, he was, and he's gotten better. And uh, now he's the top-ranked player in college golf, and he's the U.S. Amateur Champion. So um, when we get the right kind of people, Ricky Fowler is another one. Now he was... Uh, he wasn't the top-ranked player, but he was the best player that I had seen in a long time. And eventually he played his way right to the top and, and has done great on tour. So um, those kind of kids are all good fits here, and they've been great ambassadors for Oklahoma State. How do you approach uh, training with your players um, as far as playing, practicing, fitness, mental, um, kind of the whole player? How do you help a player to improve in all those different areas at once? Well, we want them to take ownership in, in their process themselves. You know, if I if we're having to tell them everything to do, um, there's probably a disconnect there. But we've got great experience, and really our coaching staff here, um, between Coach Dar and I, we have a collective experience that no other program can match or really even come close to. There's some other individuals that have some success, whether that be personally or players they've coached, coached, but 
between the two people, with his experience and mine, we've seen a lot of different things, experienced a lot of different things, helped direct players through a lot of great experiences. So there's a wealth of experiences for our players to lean on. In addition to the network that is Oklahoma State, whether that's former players still connected to the program, our athletic director was the golf coach for 32 years, Mike Holder. Um, there's just fingers of the program all over where if our voice isn't getting it done, there's someone that has experienced that that can help guide and direct them, whatever that may be. Yeah. So you mentioned that some of the former players still kind of uh, invest in the program. In what ways and, and who are some of those guys that you kind of lean on to, uh, to help build up your program? Well, we have several former players that live here in Stillwater that interact with our guys all the time. Chris Tidland, David Edwards, um, Willie Woods, still very involved in the program. Scott Verplank, Bob Tway, EJ Fister, Brian Watts, Ricky Fowler. Uh, all of those guys are around, whether that's football season or uh, out to, to help us with our fundraiser. Um, they're a phone call away. So uh, all of those guys, uh, it will help however we need them to. So uh, there's not a lot that our players could experience that there's not someone at Oklahoma State that has experienced before. And uh, like I say, if, if Coach Dar and I, whatever we're telling them isn't getting through or quite getting it done or they need another voice, it's not too hard to find a, a former player of the year, a tour winner, Ryder Cupper, whatever it might be, to help them, kind of guide them. How do you see your primary role as the coach? Are you, are you uh, a swing coach, a mental coach, strength and conditioning? Are you, are you a cheerleader, or how, do, how does your role uh, influence the team? Well, it's a little bit of everything, depending on the kid. Um, we're going to recruit guys with good technique. Um, I'm certainly no swing guru. Uh, however, I taught myself how to play, and uh, I ended up becoming the college player of the year and playing the PGA Tour. So I know what I'm talking. And if you want to hand me, if you want to hand me the club, I'll show you how to how to do it as well. So, um, however, we want to try to be the eyes and make sure they understand the the role of coach in golf. People think swing coach immediately. The bulk of the swing coaches can't play dead. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't continue to advise that relationship. Because, again, we're recruiting I, I, a technique that we like. Um, we don't usually recruit kids that need a major overhaul in their, their golf swing. And we like what they do, and we want to encourage them to continue to work with the people that have helped them get there. Um and there's a lot of different ways to do that. So um, we try to help them practice better, how to think better. Um, you don't have to be a, a sports psychology is a made-up profession. Um, you know, the fact that Donnie and I were both good players hopefully allows us a, a way of communicating things in multiple ways that can relate to our players all the mental things that you need to be a great player. And we've borrowed from the great players that we've been around. We've both been observing golf at the highest level of amateur golf and professional golf for the last 30 years. 
So that's invaluable as you go to try to guide players on the golf course or at home practicing, helping them understand what level they need to be at um, and what it takes to get there. So since you're a pretty good player in your own right, um, do you ever step in there and kind of do some little challenges with your players during practice? Sometimes. I, I don't play nearly as well as I used to. Um, if we want to go short game stuff, I can hold my own with our guys. I don't hit the ball far enough or work near hard enough at it anymore. So from time to time, yes. But if our guys are letting me beat them, we need to get some new guys. I'm not much of a part. I'm not much of a bar anymore, but um, at one time, we, we I'd put my resume up against any of our players. We don't have anyone right now that's surpassed some of the things that uh, have been done before here and some of the things that I've done. I never won the U.S. Amateur, so Victor's got that on me. But One of the things that I think would be really appealing uh, to go going and playing for you as a recruit would be that you have all these national titles from a lot of different perspectives. Your your bio says three national titles, but I believe, if I'm correct, there's actually four because you were kind of a part of a team when you were a redshirt freshman as well, correct? Yeah, we won when I redshirted, then we won my senior year, then I was a part of the championship in 2006 as an assistant, and then this year as the head coach. Yeah, so you've kind of hit that that uh, accomplishment from all angles. Is there something that really stands out to you as a memorable moment from maybe one or two of those championships? Um, you know, really my favorite, I think, memory of last year's championship was a meeting that we had the night before the final round. We had done something different for our team. We were carrying a different golf bag every day. And um, we had saved a bag that the guys hadn't seen that had our championships listed on it. So the, the bag we carried in the final match honored all of our championship teams. It had the 10 previous championships, the years on there, and it was a logo from 1978. So we were, it was the 40th anniversary of that championship. So we were honoring those guys. And we, we had, the guys hadn't seen the golf bag. And Zach Boshu, who was a leader on our team, said, these bags better be really good. You've been building them up. And we, we showed them to him. And he sat back and kind of smiled and said, you guys did good. He said, coach, don't worry, we got this. And, and then the next day he went out and shot 29 on the front nine. And he, I think he won wow. eight and seven, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Plus that one was on your home course. That had to have added to the, uh, the specialness of it, right? Yeah, no question. The crowds were amazing. We had... Uh, more people than I can ever remember at, at any national championship watching. And so that was special for the kids and certainly made it special for me and for anyone involved in Oklahoma State, no matter what sport. So another experience that I thought was really cool that you have is you have, you've caddied for two uh, USAM champions, correct? Uh -huh. Peter Uline and Victor Hovland? Yeah. So what, was, what were each of those experiences like? Uh, both of them fantastic. Um, special weeks for, for sure for me. Um, we shared a lot of meals throughout the week, so had a lot of conversation about what was going on and, and what, what was going to unfold as the week went. Um, the first time at Chambers Bay with Peter and his family, uh, we've had a great relationship with the U-Lines forever and ever. 
whether that was Titleist being involved with helping us do Karsten Creek, a friendship that I built with Wally Uline as a player, um, and then in coaching his son. So so that week was special all the way around with, with Peter and his family. And then at uh, Pebble Beach this summer, Victor and I were going to dinner each night. I was staying with one of our boosters. He was staying there at the lodge. And uh, again, there was nobody else around but kind of the two of us. Uh, most of the week and and just to see him dominate and we talked a little I told him about certain things that were going to play out that week and and uh, that's exactly what happened so it was great to in in close time within a couple months because we had what the end of May and then toward the end of August to see your players achieve those kind of goals and be standing there next to them as they live out a dream was really special. Yeah. So how's your role change from coach to then caddy in both of those situations? Uh, it's the same. We walk with our players quite a bit in, in tournaments. Fortunately with both those kids, I'd spent a lot of time with them um, on the golf course. Again, basically caddying whether in the college tournaments, we don't carry the bag, but you're basically caddying, giving advice. So they both, again, I had a good relationship with both and a trust there to hopefully be able to say the right things in the right moment. Clearly, both of them were playing very well. And, you know, maybe I added a little bit of comfort here and there that, that helped get them over the hump. So uh, certainly fun and just, just trying to have them be able to step up to every shot with confidence to execute as best they can. Mm-hmm. Now, did you end up then caddying for Peter in the uh, Masters? I did. Um, yeah, I sure did, and I'm going to caddy for Victor this, this year. Okay, that's what I was going to ask, what I was wondering. Um, so what is what is all that like when, when you have a guy, uh, especially an amateur, who's going into play Augusta National? How do you, I assume there's a lot of nerves around that. How do you kind of help them calm down and just play their game? Well, fortunately... Um, They've achieved at a level where they should feel like they're ready. And um, this will be the third time around for me at Augusta. I caddied for Jordan Niebrugge as well. Um, so you just, just try to get them to do just like they would anywhere else. Appreciate the um, specialness of what they're, they're, they've got a chance to go do. But just the golf ball doesn't know how old you are. It doesn't know that you haven't played the masters yet so you just try to get a game plan and and go out there and execute as best you can so what are your team's goals this year i assume it's to win another title obviously um because you're going into this i believe ranked number one in the country um what what else do you hope to accomplish or is there are there individual goals or team goals that you'd like to like to check off your list yeah, we're fortunate that that this team's it's it's very difficult to have a chance to do something that hasn't been done at Oklahoma State before, but this team has a chance to um, do something we haven't done, which is win back-to-back championships. So we've been fortunate. We've got a bunch of individual tournament wins already from our guys. We've won every event that we've played so far, and as far as the individual. 
So our guys are driven to try to see if they can't get another team championship. It's it's very rare in golf that you get that opportunity. And college golf's really the only time you get to uh, be a team. The Ryder Cup, the Walker Cup, you're just a team for the week. Um, where these guys, you grow up together, you're, you're working hard every day with a common goal. So our guys are focused on that. We're, we're blessed with a mix of youth and leadership, but we've got guys back that know what it feels like, that know they were ready last year when their number was called. So they have a comfort in that, in knowing they were ready, you know, at, at the ultimate moment of truth when the championship's on the line. So they're excited to try to do that again. Yeah. So we kind of talked a little bit about Victor Hovland. The other player on your team that I want to ask you about who's also ranked really high, I believe he's uh, number four amateur golfer in the world, is uh, Matthew Wolf. He's gotten a little press this this last year and lately um, played in the waste management, I believe it was. Um, and he's got kind of a little bit of a different swing. Can you talk about um, what you saw in him in high school and um, what you believe his potential is? Well, his potential's through the roof. Um, I love his golf swing. I'm always looking for golf swings that are natural and look like, you know, that you were born with it. And his certainly does. Um, I think you could take anyone. They don't have to know golf. They would turn their back to Matt Wolf and they could listen to him versus other people hitting the ball. And that would get their attention. They would hear they would hear something different. So I've loved everything about him from the beginning. Uh, the ball goes where he's looking every single time. And George Gankus, his swing coach, has done a nice job of helping him understand his golf swing and why it works and what makes it go and how to adjust the, the ball flight. He can change trajectory and and change speed very well, better than most kids his age. And um, he showed under the gun last year at nationals and he did it all year, how he can perform again under pressure or at big moments. So uh, he's got a big personality and big game and the sky's really the limit for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he gets a lot of, um, a lot of attention because of his golf swing. Parts of it look a little goofy, but really when you get down to it, the uh, impact position is just like everyone else. It's just about perfect and it's repeatable. I've noticed. Yeah, it's not like everybody else's. It's way better for, than most. Um, he can do whatever he wants to the golf ball, and he's got some growing up to do, just like any other 19-year-old, just learning shots and situations and, and what makes him go. But he, but he knows that he's the one should be giving the lessons, uh, not be distracted by somebody that thinks he needs to change something. I, I would run, run away from anyone that thinks that he should be doing making any changes in his golf swing. Before we move into the last question, talk about what the what the rhythm of your year is, because I know the the uh, season kind of plays in the fall and the spring. You've got a little bit of off time. How does recruiting and playing? How do those two mix throughout your year as coach? Yeah, you have 144 days to compete your season, and with one break in the middle, and you get 24 competitive dates. So you get. 24 days of competition for your team and for the individuals. You're always recruiting. There's so many tournaments nowadays. There's a junior tournament every week, it seems like. Recruiting's gotten younger and younger, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, 
kids are making decisions before they even know what they're deciding when you really get down to it. But um, we're constantly in communication with who we think are the best players and um, just trying to find the, the, the right fit. Um, so um, you're constantly working on that among the, the other things that we do as coaches, which is helping your current team, relating to former players, fundraising, all that stuff. So what age of players are you recruiting? Oh, I'd say all high school age kids. Okay, so one last question I like to uh, kind of wrap up on um, is what is your favorite course that you or your team has ever played and why? Um, I really like Pebble Beach. And we've been fortunate to, I've been fortunate to play it in the AT&T and our team has gone there the last, um, there's a tournament called the Carmel Cup that we've either played the last, I think it's five years maybe. And then uh, to have that experience of being on the bag with Victor winning the, the U.S. Amateur was special. And then he's going to allow me to caddy for him at the U.S. Open there this summer as well. So uh, that part of California is about my favorite place in the world. So what a spectacular golf course on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Um, so is there any way that people who are listening to this can uh, easily follow your team, follow you? Yeah, our, our follow Cowboy Golf on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet a whole lot. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, okstate.com um, does a good job of, of tracking us. And then all of our tournaments are generally on Golfstat where people can find the scoring. Okay. I'll tag those in the show notes and so people can keep up on what your team's doing and, and see you in uh, Victor Hovland in the Masters and the U.S. Open this summer. So I want to thank you for, for uh, taking the time to talk with us a little bit, Coach, and uh, it's been really interesting. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me on. Hopefully we can uh, keep you talking about Oklahoma State if we keep doing some good stuff. Definitely. Good luck the rest of the year. Okay, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and rate The Looper wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Looper Podcast. Talk to you next time.